Hello there, welcome along. This is the very first episode of the Subject Podcast, a weekly podcast that will delve into the subjects at the very forefront of technology and all the spaces in between. Each week you'll be joined by myself, Damien, videographer at 95 Google, an owner of my own YouTube channel. And me, Ryan, owner of Failtech. And me, Alex, owner of Tech Focus. We'll be releasing the podcast in video and audio form, and you can find it in the links in the video description below, or just search the Subject Podcast on your chosen platform. Our first topic is going to be about confirmation bias and how that extends to reviewers. Do reviewers have more power than the brands or is it the other way around? I think our first part of call has got to be, does a review actually change our opinion of a product or are we just seeking validation for purchase? Be interesting to see if any of you two guys have had experience with that in the past in say comments section or any videos that you've produced. Okay, so um, I think I can speak to this quite easily. I've had, on my Pixel 2XL video especially, there's been a lot of comments that are like, I bought a Pixel 2XL recently, your video made me like happy or feel confident about my decision. Of more like, I feel like I'm gonna go buy this phone, but there's still like a lot of comments that say, I'm happy that I bought this phone. So I feel like there is, there is some weight to the fact that people do just kind of like watch a review to just validate their purchase decision but at the same time i don't think it's completely that i think there is still a lot of do i go buy this should i actually go watch this video and find out if i should if you how get me often, how that... often do you do you tend to go and out of your way to look for a review for a product that you potentially gonna buy or do you tend to do your pre-research somewhere else and then go to youtube or go to a review site to to read a review of a product it depends what it is if it's like um if i'm like going to buy a new lens or something i tend to either look at like video examples from it or i look at like uh photo example reviews but then there's also like a lot of review sites that do a lot of good stuff and i tend to head towards those instead of youtube because they tend to cover like everything that you want to know because youtube videos every now and again I'm, i think everyone's guilty of this myself included but they may miss out something that you're looking for specifically whereas a text review there's kind of like there's more leeway with what they write in and they tend mm. to put every single thing in whereas some things get cut from youtube videos obviously in the edit and things so it, it's a mix if i'm honest yeah, I get it a lot, especially with, because uh, I review older stuff, so people will be, I'll put, like, the title is usually a question, so should you still buy? And a lot of it will be no or yes. They'll say yes. On the majority of the times they say yes, uh, they'll say posted from, and then the phone that's in the title of the video, indicating that they've literally just watched the video because they have the phone. Yeah. Do you find that sometimes titling your questions with a question mark also opens you to people who... Who genuinely already have the phone and just want to answer yeah. yes it is a valid purchase or do you think that we should as people who create videos or maybe ask the question should ask it in a different kind of style especially with like the the positive and negatives it's really easy to kind of say well yes it's fine when someone who comments something positive but not so well when someone comments something negative but i think what's more interesting to to me is the fact that you kind of open it up like a bit of an Amazon review page for each product that you review, which is really useful because having other people's input is like, certainly I always say this, like never watch one review on something. You want to get as many inputs from different yeah. places as possible. But when people just come to kind of um, hate, hate on a product for their personal experience that might be kind of an anomaly or a, um, an outlier, it kind of makes things difficult because then you tend to persuade someone that the the product is bad just because you may have dropped it from like head high and it smashed and then you call it unreliable or something like that. But there's also some, I think, if you make the title something like, I, the only example I have of this is my iPhone XS video where I said it was probably the worst phone that Apple had made because there's not much difference from the 10. If you put a title like that that's like bashing a certain company, you're going to have people who click on the video, don't actually watch it, 
and just spew hate at you. And there is like a there's a considerable amount of that. They'll like spew a dislike and then they'll just give you a load of hate for no reason without actually listening to your argument. And they'll just be like blind sheep, like blindly supporting this company. And it, it happens quite a lot. I see it on other people's channels quite often. So when it comes to like titles, I feel like especially if you put it as something that's either opinionated or is a question, you're going to have people who are looking to do one specific thing from that title, if that makes sense. I think, yeah. I think going further to that, do you think that reviewers kind of have a little bit more of a say in how an entire community thinks? Or do you think that sometimes reviewers rein their opinions in because they're scared of the backlash in case they do criticise something too heavily? But there's also, conversely there, is a certain brands that are acceptable to criticise, to bash, to make fun of, and it's it's deemed as acceptable by the audience. Do you think that's something that is a problem within the entire web space as a whole? I think YouTube-wide, there's a lot. I'm I can only really talk to YouTube on this because I don't look at that many other review sites, except for Nine to Five Google because they're awesome. I think YouTube specifically has a lot of people who are just kind of they're scared to say an opinion. It's difficult to describe like how I mean this, but for certain people especially like the most popular tech reviewers, so like MKBHD. I respect him, I respect his content completely, I like love everything that he does, but every now and again he'll make a video and even if it's not like, for example, the XS or the the XS Max, he kind of says that it's like the best iPhone he's ever used, but then again he doesn't consider that in perspective of the iPhone X before it. Do you think the reviewers sometimes have an issue with uh, potentially backlash from a video and they tend to err on the side of caution? Have you experienced that yourself with any reviews you've put out there? Have you have you reined in a comment that you wanted to make or have you have you kind of been a little bit less aggressive just because you're scared of the backlash of the audience, for instance? Especially like in the earlier days of content creation, I think a lot of people are guilty of that because you're scared of I think in the early days when you don't have that many comments coming in, you're scared of those ones that are hate comments or that are like people who are bashing you. But then there's certain experiences that I've had where I don't know if what I'm experiencing is solely on my device as a problem or if it's like device wide so I'll tend not to mention it but then sometimes I want to mention it and just say if it's on mine it could be on yours but then again like if it's say one in a thousand that have said specific problem then it's not really worth mentioning so it is it's a mixed bag in a way I think it just depends on the circumstances mm, definitely I think the the biggest thing for me with the whole like giving your own review thing is the fact that like as you said it could be a device specific thing or it could mm. be like a you know user specific specific or device wide and a lot of people don't realize which is which so they might think that because their phone you know has like this screen issue they don't quite it doesn't quite um it, they don't quite understand that it could be just their device and they haven't thought to compare it with any others or check up on like uh on uh, kind of a, a warranty program or anything. So they'll just kind of blurt it out. I think they just don't think before they write a comment, really. Yeah, you see this a lot in drone videos, actually, because especially on um, the one video that I did on the DJI Spark, there was a lot of comments that said, oh, I crashed this drone. The front vision sensor stopped working, so it's a bad drone, don't buy it. I'm like, well, if you're going to say it's bad because you crashed it, you broke something, then don't like try and say it's a bad product just because you broke it and i think that's there's a common misconception in something being like not as durable as people are expecting and being bad because people think that as soon as something doesn't stand up from like i don't know say like a three foot drop or something an iphone doesn't stand up from that 
people then just seem to assume that it doesn't actually hold up as a product and that it's not worth buying. But there's a lot of very specific use cases that you have to take into account when you're reviewing something. Because if you've installed a certain app on an Android phone that makes it crash a lot, but you don't know that that's happening and you mention that there's a lot of crashes, then technically like it's not a device problem. It's just what you've installed on it. But then that opens up another can of worms. So like, yeah. Have, have you experienced anything where there's you've given objective information? I think from my own experience I've had where I reviewed the iPhone XR, which I will say is a fantastic device. I just don't think the display is good enough for the entry level. So for instance, a 750 pound phone that you can get on the market you're going to you're going to get a 1080p display minimum and mm. a display that in 2 years time i think i was very um forthright when i when i did the review that it was a superb phone let down by the display i think there was a lot of people who came in with the misconception that i was saying that it was a bad phone because it had the bad, had what i would consider a bad display and um, do you think that sometimes people take objective critically objective information as a real negative and then want to brigade against it. I know you may have seen that yeah. before, Ryan, in, in the Pocophone video, for, for instance, and I've experienced that myself. Do you find that people are, are less willing to to take on board criticism for a purchase decision they've already made before the video's been released? Yeah, I think as soon as they've made the decision to buy it, um, or as soon as, yeah, as soon as they made the decision, not necessarily before they actually buy it, um, they've kind of locked themselves in. Uh, so that even, you know, someone could say something bad during the buying process and they wouldn't listen, let alone having it for themselves. And this is something, um, along with the the kind of watching or clicking on a video and commenting before they even watch the video, a problem that I've had, especially with the pocket phone, because in uh, my video, I would uh, I made a video like why I'm selling the pocket phone. And I did talk about the, the camera in that not being amazing and whatever, because it's in the stock camera app, it's a little bit buggy. Um, but I did mention quite heavily, I think I mentioned at least two or three times about the Pixel Camera APK, which I think is a brilliant way of kind of turning any camera into just a, a brilliant camera. However, I would talk about it, I would give like examples and I would tell tell about my experience, like downloading, installing and then actually using it. And yet people would still be in the comments like, you should try the Pixel Camera APK, which shows that they didn't watch the video. Like. I said it so many times that it's kind of impossible for them to just kind of miss it once, if you know what I mean. And I think that does, um, like as soon as they buy a product or have a product that uh, someone buys a new product, they'll search the video or search a video and just comment on it without even thinking about the video, kind of like trying to tell everyone their experience before they've even seen my experience, if you know what I mean. It's not like we're complaining about people having a debate about a certain topic. Like if you're looking at OnePlus's cameras. Yeah, yeah I think shut down before it even occurs. Yeah, they want a one-sided argument and they can't handle anything against it. So like if you're talking about OnePlus cameras, if you say it's not as good as like a Pixel camera, for example, people would be like, actually OnePlus cameras are amazing. And they'd be like, here's a comparison. I'll be like, no, OnePlus camera's still amazing. They won't like accept a counter argument. They'll just have this one point of view that they'll just die hard stick with. And it, it does get annoying after a certain amount of time. Do you think we can do more as people who work in the creative side of things and, and are putting content out that people want to consume, can we do more to to kind of be less aggressive in our own opinions? Because there's certain times where you do, like you said, Alex, you, you kind of just you just want to tell them to just you're wrong. Um, people can be people are allowed to be wrong, but yeah. um, I think sometimes you put yourself in the firing line when you say something and you know that you've done it, but 
you don't anticipate the reaction? Do you think maybe we could do something to, to alleviate that without losing the critical analysis portion of a video or a review, for instance? So in terms of actual reviews, do we sense that there's a certain groups of, of fans, for instance, the fanboy crews, do they do they tend to brigade on certain types of video or is it more prominent with certain brands or do we have brands that maybe don't get the defense that they deserve? I think there are certain brands that don't get the defense they deserve, for sure. I think that... It... I think Xiaomi is one of those because for the price of what you pay for some of their phones, like the one that you did, the Mi A2 Lite, there's a lot of people who hate on it, but it's like it's a hundred and twenty pound phone, and it it runs near to stock Android with decent specs and like yeah. a good camera, but it, it still gets hate. It get, I think it gets hate because people see um, the specifications and go straight for you know they hate the specifications. But for yeah. certain brands, I think that that attract the most controversial kind of debate. Probably the Poco phone. I, I know it's it's kind of part of Xiaomi, but it's own separate brand in a sense. OnePlus, Apple, definitely. But there are there are certain brands like Samsung. I think I would expect more, but there aren't many people. You know, they're kind of quite respectable fans that don't kind of dive in headfirst and and get into a fight for no apparent reason. But I, yeah. I think I experienced it most of the Poco phone purely be, because in a lot of a lot of markets the Poco phone is a really really good buy, and I, I still think it's a good buy. But in the UK specifically, if you're willing to buy used, there are some really good options. But obviously, that doesn't apply to everyone. That just applies to a certain market. Do you think that markets as well dictate public opinion? And then also, supplementary to that, do you think sometimes that we see things online and we're told that, say, for instance, a certain level of specification is needed? You need, say, a 4,000 milliamp hour battery or the battery's terrible or you need a... Um, quad HD display for it to be worth looking at or um, do you think that that is fa almost factors into public opinion of of the products that you maybe take a look at and you may be talking about on a general day-to-day -day basis um well, I was going to say they they have like specifically in the OnePlus branding they have a lot about the speed you need and then obviously go on to say they have a Snapdragon 845 or whatever and I think that's they when you when you're advertising phones at that level, it's kind of assumed that every phone should be like that. So you don't really see many Samsung Galaxy A series branded or or like um the 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 uh the lower end phones. It's always the highest end phone, so that sets the standard. Yeah, and there's this like there's a, a big thing about if you notice throughout OnePlus Apple's less so for Google's adverts, but there's always a massive focus on specs. So like in Apple adverts, you'll have like the A12 Bionic chip and whatever, and they'll be like the fastest iPhone ever. But it's like, in reality, if you compare the fastest, the current fastest iPhone ever to last year's fastest iPhone ever, it's not that different. There's like, it's a minor difference and you probably would notice it a little bit, but it's so minor that it's like, do you need to actually make that upgrade? Because it, it's, we live in a, I feel like the tech community now is in a world where the tech that you own now in a year's time is going to be obsolete. Nah. Well, that's not the case, is it? That is. Yeah, exactly. Do you think sometimes when the when we're now in a stage where people own devices for longer than twelve months, twenty four months, thirty six plus, that the content we're creating, you people who own a device for an extended period of time, are instantly gravitating towards those extended reviews because they want that positive experience confirmation, or is it a case of just people maybe in the market twelve months time? And the way we spend money and the way the audience spends money is completely different. Do you think that's that's a problem? I think there's a lot of weight behind the fact that people look for confirmation of a device. So 
in my personal experience with like the Pixel 2, um, there's a lot of comments on there that are like, I'm so glad to still be using this phone in 2019 or 2018. And I think because people see the latest devices, they're like, do I need to upgrade? So then they search for a video that's like up to date about said device that they're still using just to make sure that like they're actually still using a phone that is considered still good enough. So it still goes back to the idea that tech is not good enough a year after, but at the same time, people are like, I'm glad people are smart enough to not just believe every advert that you see and just like ditch their thousand pound phone from last year and spend another grand on a new one. Does that make sense? Does that yeah, make sense? I think I think one of the 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 main like parts like taken away from what you just said is that people think they they are perfectly content with their device or whatever kind of piece of tech they have. And then someone brings up the fact that it might be old or that it might be slow, but they don't know that until someone else has brought that up. For example, they see an advert or they see a YouTube video. So they're like perfectly happy. They think Facebook is running fine. You know, they're playing the games, but then they start to question whether it's it's good enough. But because they were happy before, like it's almost like introducing a new level that they haven't mm. seen yet. So they might go, oh yeah, this is way smoother or way quicker. Like there might actually be a perceivable difference, but they don't know about it until you bring it up so even if their phone is like two or three years old but they're still like perfectly content with it then these kinds of videos kind of they bring a different um i think it's more of a comparison than just reviewing it again in three years time because you're not just reviewing it you're comparing it to the current standard or even the current lower rate yeah. you know same price so i think that's probably the the main takeaway from that is like do we need to upgrade? Not necessarily because, oh, this one's fast and we might not tell the difference, but just because we're happy with what we've got so far and we just haven't noticed yet. I think brands, I think the worst brand for this is OnePlus because they make a new phone every six months. And don't get me wrong, I love OnePlus as a brand and I do like their devices, but the fact that every six months you get a new device and it's always like, they make out that their old device, like the one from six months ago as such, is now obsolete and they're like the fastest, uh, like all the power for a day and half an hour, whatever it's called, and everything like that. It's kind of, it annoys me that it's all put into like their latest device and every six months it's like they just destroy their whole, their whole like consumer base with a device from six months ago. It really, it kind of annoys me in that way because I, even I think like once a year is all they should do for a release and it's kind of disappointing that they do six months because suddenly your device after six months and six months is not a long time is then like outdated and they've made a new generation. And I get it that they do it for like innovating new tech and trying to get you the latest stuff. But if you think from the five T to the six T, the upgrade that you had there, if that was one device is worth of upgrade, one year's worth of upgrade and you didn't have the six in between, it would be so much more like mind blowing for the price. But because you get it every six months, it looks like just these tiny little incremental. incremental yeah. It confuses me quite a lot because it's like the market for OnePlus is moving twice the speed of every other market for smartphones. Going on to what you were saying, Alex, about the way OnePlus is moving so fast with the technologies and stuff like that and things are being removed and potentially you may have a negative experience from one to another. Do you think sometimes as people who maybe have to buy the tech or get given the tech that we subconsciously want to hate something so that we can be negative about it or we want to hate something that we've bought just because of the the way that the business has, has progressed, such like OnePlus updating the phone every six months, do we want to hate the 6T over the 6 just because of the, the fact that it feels obsolete once we've made, made the purchase because we know there's a new one coming? I don't know if it makes a huge difference, to be honest, because 
Like when you, I guess when you buy something and then six months later, the same brand releases something else. And at the time you bought the latest and greatest and you spent loads of money on it and then suddenly it's made kind of redundant. It kind of, you know, it feels like a bit of a kick to the stomach. Like why would this brand do this? But I think from OnePlus, because OnePlus is one of those brands that does this maybe more often than other brands. I don't think even though they do release phones more often that it's as bad purely because the the general base of the phone stays the same for the whole year. It's only kind of features like add-ons, little extra bits that you might, I mean, some people might care about, but most people just don't need. And um, that's kind of the, the main bit that changes every six months. And I think that because, like just because you pick up a OnePlus 6, for example, and you've got the 845 and you've got the same kind of general spec and you've got the good screen and, and you've got all this stuff, I don't think that necessarily by buying that at that time and then six months later the 6T coming out I don't think that's going to be as big of a deal as if for example the 6T had like an 855 and had a you know an extra camera or like a higher resolution screen or whatever and also there tends to be a little bit of a price jump which I think can kind of help make you feel better about your purchase decision because like I don't know the exact um the exact kind of numbers but I believe from the 5 to the 5T, there was a little bit of a jump. I think the 6 and the 6T are the same. There might be a very, very small difference in price. But when you have that kind of little price jump, you kind of think, oh, well, I saved some money there. So I don't think it's as bad. But I also think that it's a OnePlus specific thing. Yeah, I think it makes you feel a little bit better uh, that about, about the fact that you purchased the previous phone because there tends to be a price jump. So you kind of think you've saved yourself a bit of money. Which, it, with inflation and other things, I don't think makes a huge amount of difference. But it is that little self... Um, self-conscious or subconscious thing and I think that because again it's like so minor if it, if it was from Samsung where the prices tend to just be bigger in general so the percentage even though it might be the same the actual difference in price is going to be higher because you're taking let's say 15% or 10% or 5% of £800 versus OnePlus is relatively low £450 and yeah I think as long as other companies don't jump in and go right let's just do everything six months at a time then as long as we're kind of stuck with maybe one or two brands doing that, I think that's going to make the market a lot kind of more, um, a lot more kind of confident about their purchases at the time and then also six months ahead of the purchase. Couldn't you say then, because as you said, it's like a minor change and a price bump. Doesn't that defeat the point of having that minor change and a price bump? Because it's like, if it's going to make people who bought the device before feel better, then what's the point in having it being released? You might as well have one device a year as every other company does and you have a big change, a little bit of a price bump and then suddenly you've got like a better market without just make, like spewing out devices because, oh look, we can do a first gen in-screen fingerprint scanner and oh look, we can do a teardrop notch. You know, if they did that but they had a refined fingerprint scanner and like an even thinner bezel screen or just like better specs instead of essentially the same phone with a different notch and a, without a headphone jack then wouldn't that be better than just having these little changes? I think, um, I can't remember which reviewer did it, but a very top tier reviewer, probably like a million subs or more, it's very high up in the news. Um, they were talking about why smartphones do this, and it's the same with colours, like when a smartphone is released with new colours. It's because, not necessarily because, oh, there's a new market, but because they want to be seen in the news, in the headlines. They want to be talked about. And I know there are a lot of brands that just get talked about anyway, sometimes for the wrong reasons. But when you release a, kind of an update, like a revised version of a product, 
you're going to be put up in the news again as releasing a new product. So even if it's not a huge innovation or it's not something that's kind of making the difference to the consumer, having them talked about in the news has proven to like increase sales across the board in different countries and different markets. I think just adding to that as well, I think that you look at devices that from especially bands like Huawei and even Samsung to an extent, Samsung really kind of pioneered this is having the, they'll have a flagship level what we would consider as the the top tier, the S10s, the Note 10s. And then they have the kind of the affordable flagship, which has become the affordable flagship now. So you have in the Huawei camp, you have the the Mate line, and then you have the the P line. So we're at that point now where the P30 is just about to be announced. And the P30 will be arguably cheaper than the Mate 20 Pro, but it will include certain features or slight incremental changes over the Mate 20 Pro, but at a slower cost, slightly lower cost, sorry. Um, I think maybe that as well has has kind of helped this this era of of confirmation bias and purchase decision justification because people realise that, like you said before, OnePlus releases a phone every six months. It just so happens to be that they're one line, they're one line of devices, whereas other brands have done it under the guise of different names and different specification lines. So you'll get slightly different cameras on the P20 as opposed to the Mate 20. And I think that we kind of can see a lot of, a lot of criticism leveled at certain brands who like OnePlus, for instance, who maybe do it every six months with one key device and name them incrementally. But we won't really criticize Samsung for doing the same thing for their budget A line, their budget M line, and their S line, and then their Note line. So it'd be interesting to kind of see how that develops over the next three or four years, whether we'll continue to see that or whether the shrinking smartphone market is going to kind of have people not buying these phones or maybe going mm. lower down the lower down the levels because for what 12 every 12 months you're kind of expecting the market to change it really is kind of stagnated hasn't it in the last couple of years yeah i think going to the point that you said then about samsung's a line and the uh who are we on a line i think those are probably going to be the most popular in the coming years because you're getting these devices now from Samsung, like the Fold, which is a £2,000 phone. If anyone buys that, they're insane, because next year it's going to be obsolete, and they're going to make a new one, and it's going to be exactly what we've been talking about here, where they're going to make a better version. You're going to look at your device and be like, oh shit, look at that four-inch screen on one side. And then you're going to look at the new one, which will probably look like the the uh, Huawei version, the Mate X Fold, or whatever it's called, and you'll be like, oh no, I need to get a new phone, because you'll look at what you've got, you'll look at what's come out next, and it'll be so completely different that it's kind of ridiculous. Which is why I think the uh, Alpha line, the Galaxy A line, is going to be more popular. And I think that's very different to OnePlus's approach of making one flagship every six months. So you've got like your, for Samsung, you've got your flagships, you've got your Note line, and then you've got the A line. And those are kind of different price ranges, different use cases, whereas OnePlus is just every six months, essentially the same use case, the same line, which is what I was trying to get at earlier. I don't know if I made that clear enough, but yeah. So I think my final question to you both is, do we have our own experience of confirmation bias or even trying to justify our own purchase decisions? I know I can talk from my own experience where I've bought a laptop, for instance, and I've tried my very best to essentially justify my purchase or spending well over £1,000 on a laptop even weeks after I made the purchase and I've had great experience with it. Have you personally gone out to, to make a purchase, maybe equipment, maybe device you were potentially going to review, and you've kind of been a little bit swayed by the fact that you've 
you've made this purchase decision and now you just want to justify the fact that you spent x pounds x whatever it was on that particular item yeah i i want to do i want to switch this a little bit and uh i think i'm gonna go with the fact that i i kind of was offered a smartphone um for free by a company and they gave me the the Mi A2 after I'd used the Mi A2 Lite. And in the Mi A2 Lite video, I kind of said that the Mi A2 wasn't worth it. So when I got the Mi A2, I was trying to find ways to kind of like slag it off a bit. And I wanted to go around and see if I could find every problem with it. And I was trying to justify the fact that you should go and purchase the phone that I said was better than it. So kind of the opposite of what you're saying. But there was just you know, during using the phone, there's just nothing really wrong with it. And it's kind of hard to leave that kind of mindset, like the narrowed mind, narrow minded mindset that you're kind of stuck on that one, that level, like the, the, the Mi A2 Lite, for example, for me, I still think it's a better phone, but it made me feel like the Mi A2 itself was a bad phone because I was in that kind of mindset. But now that kind of looking at things objectively, I had to try and get out of that because there are a lot of people especially on youtube who have reviewed this phone who have like posted good reviews so me going back and watching other reviews made me feel like oh hang on a minute i am being a, a bit of like a an idiot to be honest yeah i think we all have like our own opinions on certain devices and then if we try and find something that we've said is not as good as this device that we have our opinion on we'll then try and find ways to prove that so I think that's kind of what's happened in your case, Ryan. You said like the Mi A2 isn't as good as the light version. And then when you got the Mi A2, you went into the device with that mindset. So you were like trying to find reasons why it's not as good. Mm -hmm. I've personally done that with, um, yeah, I've personally done that with certain devices when I do camera comparisons, because even though it, it may hold some weight that it is my opinion, certain cameras are better than others. It's not everyone's opinion because photographs especially are subjective and there's no one way to take a photo that is the best. So it's it, it comes across in my camera comparisons of like the Pixel 2 and the iPhone XS especially because I just prefer the photo from the Google camera APK, which is why in that video I said that I prefer that. And I think in general it does take better photos. But So like what I see in a camera is not necessarily what everyone else is going to see. So everything is subjective, but that's not a bad thing because it's like we have our own opinions and that's if anything that's good because for people who are looking for tech videos it's nice for them to have a broad range of opinions instead of just everyone saying this bit's bad this bit's good so it's like we need this we need this kind of debate to happen for tech reviews to actually be completely open and honest so on that note we'll say thanks for listening we'd love to hear from you if you have any major experiences of confirmation bias yourselves be sure to reach out and follow us on Twitter at the subject pod. Email the subject is podcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on YouTube at the subject podcast and leave us a review on iTunes. We'd really appreciate that. Thanks again for listening and we'll catch you in the next episode.